But it's wonderful to be back with you this Sunday after being away on the Jamaica mission trip. And it's just a beautiful thing to think about that a week ago right now, where I was celebrating Mass was quite an interesting place. I actually got to have two Masses, one at one of the religious houses uh, for the brothers, the missionaries of the poor, and then one of the, the great things about this trip, they're kind of low on priests right now. They only have two, but they have a lot of different things that they have to cover. So our group went to one of the big places they have, a giant Sunday Mass at one of their centers called Bethlehem, and that's where they serve a lot of profoundly disabled, um, both mentally, physically, uh, children, women, and then they bring in some men from these other places. At this place, they have them there, the brothers, and when the priest celebrates Mass, our folks were there. Well, I got driven out about an hour outside of Kingston, Jamaica, into the rural mountains, and it's an interesting place. But where it was, they call it Mount Tabor, which is an interesting thing because the traditional site of the Transfiguration is Mount Tabor, in, not in Jamaica. My sister was here last night, and she was very confused. She's like, I thought this happened in the Holy Land. And you said it happened in Jamaica. I'm like, no, that's not what I said. I'm sorry. But this mountain, they call it Mount Tabor, and that's where I got to have Mass last week with about 20 of the residents, the young men that they serve there, about 20 of the brothers, and then I think about another 20 parishioners that were from the mountain area. Uh, and I offered that Mass for you all. I offered the Mass to the missionaries of the poor, the first one, the second one, for our wonderful people here. But to get to go from that and then come back, it's just such a good thing in so many ways. And I want to relate some of that to what I say this morning. But I'm just so grateful, you know, going from that Mount Tabor, not the one where this happened, but the Transfiguration is one of those beautiful feasts that we don't always get to celebrate in this kind of a way, in a big way where we all come together. It's always on August the 6th, but you know, if it's on a Tuesday, that means we'll have one mass at 7 a.m. and most people aren't gonna be here. But this year, we all get to come together for it and reflect on it a little bit more. Now we're all familiar with it. We always get this gospel on the second Sunday of Lent. It's the fourth luminous mystery. And if you pray the, the rosary every day, and I highly recommend it, you know, you get to meditate on this pretty frequently. And we know the story so well about Jesus, you know, going up the mountain, taking the three apostles, Moses and Elijah, you know, all of these things. One of the things I love so much about getting to study sacred scripture is there's always something new. You know, it's the word of God, ever ancient, ever new. And in studying and getting ready for this homily this week, I've heard something new I'd never heard before. And it was one of the insights that St. Thomas Aquinas had about this gospel. He asked the question, why did Jesus take Peter, James, and John? You know, why didn't he bring all 12? Why wasn't it 120? Why wasn't it everybody? Why did he bring those three? And his answer was that because Peter loved Jesus the most of all the 12. John was loved the most by Jesus. He's called the beloved disciple. And James was the first of the 12 apostles to give his life, to make the ultimate sacrifice, the first martyr of the 12. And I just found that fascinating. I'd never heard that before. And the beautiful thing is as we read sacred scripture and see the various meanings that some things have, and I mean, just take this for example. 
a bright cloud cast a shadow over them. That, that little sentence there is packed with so much, right? Clouds aren't normally bright. Normally, as you know, we, we spent a lot of time on planes over the last week. We were 18 hours delayed getting back, by the way. Not to complain, but I'm complaining. You know, there it is. So, you know, like, we, you know, going through clouds, though, it gets dark. You got turbulence. You know, it makes it difficult. But this is a bright cloud. You know, all of a sudden, like, you're getting this brightness from it, and yet it casts a shadow. You know, it's this fascinating thing on the mountain of transfiguration. It's like things are being revealed. You're seeing so much about Christ. His face shines like the sun. His very clothes become bright white. It's like seeing the fullness of who he is, and yet a shadow is cast. Things are being revealed and concealed all at the same time. And so it's like you have these various meanings and the mystery that's there. And I would say as we reflect on those three apostles you can kind of see the same thing in our life. That we have the opportunity to step into their shoes and to follow them. For example, right? Peter, the one who loved our Lord the most. Well, how do we know that? He's so bold, he speaks up. It's like his love, he can't contain it, you know? Jesus asks them, who do people say that I am? They go through all these lines. Who do you say that I am? Peter. You're Christ, the Son of the living God, right? When Jesus is walking by them on the water, everybody's afraid. Peter yells out, Lord, it's really you. Tell me to walk on that water, right? And you think about John chapter 6. Everybody's walking away. And Jesus says to the 12, are you going to go away too? Peter says, Lord, to whom else are we going to go? You have the words of everlasting life. I mean, Peter is the one who speaks up. He's bold in his love. And we're called to the same boldness. We're called to go out of our comfort zone, to risk looking like a fool, to risk kind of starting to sink in the water because we want to get out there and love our Lord. Our faith is not just about, oh, just kind of going along through the motions. It's about being in love and getting out there and following him. But here comes the second beautiful part. It doesn't end there. It's not all our action. And that's where you see the second apostle. John, the beloved disciple who is loved by God, right? Who is loved so much. And this is the beautiful thing about Jesus being fully divine, but also fully human. He's got affection for this little guy, right? You think about the Last Supper. John rests on his heart. And even as we look at this particular gospel, yes, the three have to show up. Jesus leads them up a high mountain. They got to climb that mountain with him. But... The action isn't all on their part, right? They receive a lot more than they give. And John the Beloved is receiving that love from God, from on high, listening to him, following him, and seeing so much. And my brothers and sisters in Christ, I think it's an important thing for us to recognize in our prayer lives that we're not the primary actors. Yes, we need to be like Peter, bold and showing up and making the time for prayer and getting there and talking to him. But John shows us the receptivity, the fact that God is the one who's the primary actor. He's the one who's loving us. He's the one that we need to listen to. And John is a good one to follow in that, to ask for his intercession to let God love us. One of the beautiful things about our faith is how it expands out after Jesus' public ministry. When he's you know, in the flesh, walking around us during the time that he's in the Holy Land, right? 
He's confined by time and space where he is. Only John can be right there to lay his head on Jesus' heart. Now, after Jesus has died for us, risen from the dead, ascended into heaven, poured out the Holy Spirit, by the sacramental grace of the church, all of us can rest on the sacred heart of Jesus. All of us find out that we are the beloved disciple who had the opportunity to receive him, body, blood, soul, and divinity, in the Blessed Sacrament. We can show up and be loved. Now, just say then you have the third of the three apostles here, James. And this is where we go from the back-and-forth nature of this love, of being like Peter, telling our Lord that we love him, saying, Lord, it's good that we're here, right? And then letting him show us even more than saying something like that, than just being here, he's loving us, but it doesn't end there. James shows us that we take all of that love and take it out into the world, a world that is so immersed in darkness, to not be afraid to go out there and bear the lights, whatever the consequences may be, to let people know that even though the gospel is a challenge to do morally what our Lord is asking us to do in all certain areas, right? Nevertheless, like James, we boldly go out there and do it. But the beautiful thing is, too, as we see in this gospel, It's not as though we go at it alone, right? At the very end, Jesus goes down from the mountain with them. He is in their midst. And I would just say, asking for the intercession of Peter and John and James is so important to make sure that we're telling our Lord that we love him, to receive the love that he gives, and then to go out there and to put it into action and to know that he doesn't leave us alone to do all of that by ourselves. He is with us. And I would just say, like, just kind of relating it back to the mission trip, right? I don't know if you remember, but, you know, two weeks ago, the Sunday before we were going to be leaving on that Wednesday, I asked for your prayers. And I don't know if you could hear the excitement in my voice. I doubt that you could because it wasn't there. I was not excited to go on the mission trip to Jamaica. I'll be really honest with you. I knew it was going to be hot. And it was, okay? And I knew that at this point in the summer, I'm tired. It's been a busy summer. We've had a lot going on. I was feeling like I was coming down with something. I was not excited to go on that trip. And yeah, it's embarrassing to tell you that, but it's the truth, okay? So I had to be like Peter, like, all right, Lord, I don't want to do this, but I love you. Here we go. I'm going, all right? I'm going to go out of my comfort zone. Because there's a lot of things that we do on this trip that are outside of my comfort zone. Like you're feeding folks. I shaved a few guys, gave them some haircuts. Like you're helping them with all sorts of things. It's not easy to do. It's like, Lord, we're going to do this. But this is the beautiful thing. As I said, you're not the primary actor. And one of the things that I did that I knew would not be the easiest in the world, got to have mass this past Tuesday at one of the centers, so one of the places where they serve all of these residents, right? 74 guys at this place called Faith Center, and we had mass there, and basically imagine the setting is kind of like the pavilion. There's a roof, but it's open air. There's no fans. It's like 105 degrees, right? And I knew I'm going to have this mass. It's a little bit outside of my comfort zone, but it's like, you know what, Lord? I trust you. It's going to be great. So we had this mass, and I will tell you, at the end of it, I looked like I played basketball in my vestments. I was literally dripping all the way through. It's gross, I know, but I'm just telling you. So we go through that, 
the mass was a beautiful mass, but this was the moment that will stick with me for the rest of my life. So we finished purifying the vessels just like we do here. I sat down, the brothers were still playing the communion hymn that they were playing because they tend to go on a little bit longer than we do on music. I sit down, I just kind of have my eyes closed for a second, and then I look up. One of, the, one of the residents right in the front row, guy's name is Adrian, I would say probably like early 30s, a little bit heavier set, Down syndrome fella, he looks at me and like had the biggest smile went, I mean, I wish I could have had my phone to take a picture, but it's even better than Max. It's like a memory burn. It was one of those things where it's like God going right through that person and loving me in the moment and seeing that, it just was incredible. And if I had just sat home and not, you know, gone out of the comfort zone, not tried to be like Peter, not trying to be like John and receiving it, I would have missed all of that. But I got to be there to receive it. And the beautiful thing is, is our Lord is right in the midst of all of that. My brothers and sisters in Christ, this feast is so beautiful in so many countless ways. But I think for us as disciples to recognize that we need to fit into all three of those apostles and to ask for the help of Peter to be bold in our love, John to receive that love, and James to put it into action. And recognize this fact too. I just say the second reading is unique this week. That it's a letter from St. Peter, one of the ones who is there, telling us we don't follow cleverly devised myths. What we're telling you is what we saw with our own eyes. Basically, the transfiguration happened, and I went from being afraid to being able to be crucified upside down. Obviously, I'm paraphrasing St. Peter, but that's what it is. My friends, what we celebrate is real. And I would just say, follow the example. Ask for the intercession of these three apostles to keep being bold in your love, to keep receiving his unending love, and then to go out into a darkened world and let that light shine. Praise be Jesus Christ.